Hey, y'all. This is the BVI Empowered Podcast, highlighting those in the BVI community that have made a positive impact. I am your host, Saida Victoria. And I'm your host, Jay Flicks. Whether it's professional or personal, we will sit down and share their stories with you. And I promise you, you will be amazed and inspired. Welcome to BVI Empower. I am your host, Joe Fleeks. And I am your host, Saida Victoria. And tonight we have a great guest with us. We are very proud to be presenting to you. He is a very motivating, inspiring person. He is the president of Haven. He is the president of his support group called Vipset. He has many more accolades that are surrounding his name, but I would like for him to bring up a lot of those and share his story. We thought that you know that you will be inspired. And please join us in welcoming Mr. Ron Graham. Thank you for sitting down with us. Yes. Thank you all for having me. I'm honored to be here. Thank you all. Thank you, Ron. Before we get started, I just would like to give our listeners kind of an idea of your current vision, degrees, and the cause of your vision loss with us briefly. I have no light perception, NLP. It's a result of a head injury I received in an auto accident uh, nearly 30 years ago. It was 1993. And swelling in the head pinched off the optic nerves. So the the eyeballs are good. Brain's good. Just no connection between the two. Right. 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 That's a common thing. I've never heard it said that way, though. NLP, no light perception. So that just means just there's nothing, right? Mm -hmm. That's another way of saying totally blind, correct? Totally blind. Okay. Got it. Um, It's a a term I heard. Maybe they don't use it as much today, but it seemed to be more common when this occurred to me and the diagnosis, and it was abbreviated that way. Mm. There was even a guy I went to the seeing eye with who he was singing along to the tune of OPP. Are you done with <laughs> NLP? <laughs> NLP? <laughs> wow, right. nice, nice. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. It's interesting to know about that. Let's dive deeper. Let's get into more of the background of the the Ron Graham. Let's let's know where you are, where you started from, where you came from. I grew up an army brat. I traveled, you know, traveled with my family, but I was actually born in Germany. And wow. A city called Hanau, which is kind of funny because my brother and I were born there when my dad was in the army and met my mom. She's German, so I'm half German. Mm-hmm. And the town we're from is Hanau, and it's also the birthplace of the Brothers Grimm as in Grimm's Fairy Tales. Mm. So I, wow. So, I didn't know that. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I often share the Brothers Graham and the Brothers Grimm, both in <laughs> <laughs> Nice. So, yeah, but grew up an Army brat and, you know, just a good life. You know, not, we weren't rich, that's for sure, but we mm-hmm. we weren't never needy, but we, we got by. And, you know, after I finished high school, I went to work at the Texas prison system, which I was 18 years old. I was young and naive, and I thought, mm-hmm. hey, that's a good job for me. The convicts do all the manual labor. You get paid to watch them work. I'm like, yeah. I, I can't hey, why it. not? And it was a good job. And I didn't know if I'd be there six months, six years or whatever. Mm-hmm. But after a while, I realized I like the job and I'm good at the job. And by the time I was 21, I was 
a sergeant, 22, I was a lieutenant, I was shift supervisor. And in 1992, I promoted to captain and moved out to West Texas. Oh, which wow. Is, yeah, I, I was in a little town called La Mesa, which is an hour south of Lubbock. Mm-hmm. And I was working there. I, I, I was captain and, you know, it was a small unit. So there were only two captains, one major, one assistant warden and one warden. So in the rank structure, I, I was up there, you know, okay. and it, it was a good place, good learning opportunities. I had my career goals set 13 years with the system and then life happened. Mm-hmm. Well, Ron, even that that's funny because you did that and you climbed the ladders even after realizing that it's not just a job where the prisoners do all the work, right? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> you, know, yeah. You, you still <laughs> survived, still right? Still right. more ladders. I went through the ranks. <laughs> so, so much of that job was mental. And yeah, yeah there, there's, a, there's a physical part, but you know, you got to stay on top of what's happening around you and be aware of your surroundings because bad sure. things happen in there. And, um, you know, it's a world unto itself. It, it's, oh, it's a yeah. crazy place. But, yeah. Um, but well, like I, you said, then life happens. Well, that's where I was when I had the car wreck that blinded me. I was doing what I'd done for most of my adult life. I was going out with a friend. Um, actually went to go get a tattoo, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> nice. You know, it, it, I, you know my, my, my friend, he was a sergeant, worked for me. He and some of the other supervisors had this cartoon character of Yosemite Sam shooting his guns up in there, said gunslinger brothers. Mm. And, yeah. You know, and I said, I want that. And I'm, you know, I, I, I ran around with these guys and I actually had an appointment at this one tattoo place in Lubbock. And it was Saturday, October 9th. You know, drove up there in his girlfriend's car. It was a Dodge Intrepid. It was a pretty new car. And mm. that thing, you know, for a sedan, that was a good looking car. It was sporty. Oh, as- I wasn't it kind of sleek? Name no more. I know. I think it was a sleek wow. car, wasn't it? It was yeah. sleek. It, yeah. it was yeah. very yeah. sleek. Nice. Yeah, like kind you of know, fast. Look, like, now look at us talking our age. Man, we, we drove up to Lubbock and I went on and on about that car and we got up to Lubbock and that tattoo shop was closed and he had a sign in the window that said closed due to flu. Oh, dang. Wow. Well, we drove an hour to get there. So, man, that's, we both had girlfriends back in Mesa and thought, well, you know, we can go back. But well, while we're here, Rosemary's is this little bar we all hung out at. I mean, we walked in, even the bartender, she says, hey, there's my La Mesa boys. <laughs> and we slammed down this house drink. It was a plutonium she had invented for bartending contest. Mm. And it had a shot of every clear liquor topped off with pineapple juice and a splash of seven mm. up all in a hurricane glass. And she set Whoa. it down in front of us with a straw and a set of instructions. She says, you know the rules, boys. You can't stop until it's all gone or you can't drink anymore. Mm. Well, we. We were manly men. We um, did what we did. We slammed those drinks pretty quickly and chased them with mm. a couple of beers. And then we thought, you know, we've been here 30 minutes. We got girlfriends back home. Let's let's blow this pop stand. And, mm-hmm. you know, took in a lot of alcohol in a short amount of time. And we're going out to the car. And Troy turned to look at me. He says, dog, you go on and on about this car. Why don't you drive us home? Mm. And I was like, wow. 
that that was so cool. I, you know, Troy mm. was the kind of guy had the smile and a twinkle in his eye, and all the ladies loved Troy. So mm. all the guys wanted to hang out with Troy, and here I am. I'm going to drive this cool car, hanging out with Troy. I look over at Troy, getting in the car. He doesn't put on the seatbelt. I always put my seatbelt on, but I didn't mm -hmm. look like a door. So I cranked up that car. I headed out to Lubbock, and we're heading south on Slide Road. And I said, hey, instead of taking the main highway, let's go this back way. Let me open it up, see what it'll do. Uh, I've driven it a couple of times, and I never told him. Well, a couple meant two times. Um, mm. I, forgot, I forgot about this four-way stop sign. Mm. And there, there was this little old granny. She was pulling up that stop sign, and here I come. I had that gas pedal floored. Boom! Boy, blew her doors off as we went. Oh, I didn't wow. even slow down for that stop sign. And Damn. got down. I, I also forgot about the curve that came up. A 90-degree oh, curve cut back over to the main highway. And that's where I lost it. We left the road about 110 miles an hour. Oh, my we gosh. We flipped eight or nine times. Uh, I was thrown out of the car. I banged my head on the ceiling or the door jam or something, and I was thrown from the car. And yeah, yeah. Troy, he was in the car a couple more times, you know, as, as it flipped. And I've done talks, motivational talks at high schools, and, and I tell people, uh, especially the high school kids, I lost my best friend that night. Mm. Because they say, what happened to Troy? Troy survived, but he always blamed himself for the night that accident happened because he gave me the key. You know, I was in, in the hospital for two months. I was in a coma. It was medically induced, but I, I banged my head. It caused swelling in the head, pinched off the optic nerves. They didn't know that at the time, but uh, my hip was knocked out of joint, and it stayed that way for three days. They worried about saving my life. Uh, ruptured my mm. spleen, um, yeah, ruptured my spleen, lacerated my liver. They had to go in and take my spleen out. Von Hewitt, oh. that was like, thank God you made it alive. That, that oh, man, he had you. a hand on you. Yes, sure. yeah, absolutely. That I mean, you definitely could have died. And in Troy, too, yeah. both of you, yeah. Could yes. Have. yeah, yes, yes, and he just he walked away. Did you like, no, he, with, um, no, or did he have injuries? Too? Oh, he, he, he was banged up. Oh, you're um, okay. I mean, not that no, that's okay, but I'm just no, wondering. But yeah, but he, he he survived, and I was in the hospital for another six weeks after I came out of that coma, mm -hmm. and I left there to go to a physical rehab center in Austin and just to learn to walk again, build up my strength, because when you lay up in a hospital bed for three and a half months, yeah, your, your, your muscles shrink up. Right. And I mean, I couldn't stand up. I mean, I, it took all the strength I had to stand on a walker. But when I left Lubbock after three and a half months in the hospital, Troy was going back to work. He had cracked his knee, cracked his pelvis. They had to re-break his knee um, mm. because it didn't set right. He bit his tongue nearly in half. They had to stitch it back together. Oh, goodness. Okay. Yeah. So I'd say we were all, we were both banged up, but, you know, he blamed himself for me. Yeah. that night yeah. I gave yeah. him the keys that, that wouldn't happen. I thought we were both hammered. Neither one of us should have been driving. Right. It. Yeah, you know, that's um, true. And it's something we had both done all our adult life. And we thought, well, that happens to other people. It won't happen to us. Yeah. That's what we always yeah. think. Right. So and thank know, God uh, nothing happened to somebody else either. I mean, it could have. Absolutely. That, so that, many that, things that blessings that were there that 
you know, we don't even like, realize. Like that lady at that stop sign. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, we were blessed because she lived right around that curve. She mm. pulled up to her house and she told her husband, says, we got another car out in the field. It's mm. a cotton field. I mean, that's right. what Texas, mm-hmm. what do you expect? Right. right? Yeah. You know, I, I, I always joke when I moved out there because I moved out there from East Texas, pine trees and barbed wire mm-hmm. fences and all. And I moved out there. I said, Man, you don't have to worry about running off the road out here. What are you going to do? Hit a cotton stalk? Yeah. <laughs> and, and here I, I am. Understand that. <laughs> and that. And yes, you did. That's exactly what you did. Yeah, I sure did. Man. Yeah. So you were in a coma for a few months and then right. you wake up. Tell us what went through your mind when you first realized you could not see. Well, here's the scary part because I was. My, my wrists were tied down to the bed rails hmm. and I had a trach. I, I was on a ventilator. I mm. could not talk. Oh, wow. So I open my eyes and I look, you know, I, I've got a mental image of a dark maroon. First thing I thought about is like a old photographer's dark room, you know, with that dark red light. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, you did something to your eyes. They got these safety lights on in here. Mm. And I heard the machines. I heard the the ventilator going. I, oh, you know, that, that breathing and then the beeping of, of the IV and all the monitors yeah. going on. So I figured it out. I'm like, you're in a hospital. I heard my, my mom and dad's voices and they were tickled to see me waking up because I tried to wake up a couple of times and uh, had a seizure and they didn't know, you know, if this was for real or not, but finally, and the scary part was I couldn't talk to them. Yeah. You couldn't tell them what was going on. And so, you know, communication was a big thing then to, you know, I could nod my head. I could shake my head. I could give them a thumbs up or thumbs down, but Mm -hmm. that was it. You know, they couldn't write a note to me. And, you know, how long did the the trach stay in? after? um, I say the day I woke up was December 6th because that's the first day I could go to sleep and wake back up from a nap mm-hmm. and remember right. what day it was and what right. had happened. And so that trach was in until New Year's. So, oh, I mean, wow. This, that's this, quite this, a, some time. Here's the deal. I had a occupational therapist, a speech therapist, who mm-hmm. she says, you know, you're ideal for candidate for this there's a one-way valve that you can speak if we put it on your trach, you know, put it on the ventilator. We'll take the tube out and put that one-way valve in. It'll let you take in air, but it'll force you to breathe out of your mouth. And I I didn't know this before, but you can't speak if you're not breathing out of your mouth. That one-way valve forces you to breathe out of your mouth, not through that vent. And so that was cool. I even got a recording my mom made for me. You know, she was filming this, and I, I, I've got a recording of me talking with that one-way valve. With that in. valve in your Wow. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> interesting. So that was a relief. That was a godsend to me. And, you know, she had to go to my doctor and get approval for that. And I told my doctor when I was leaving the hospital, I said, thank you so much for giving her the okay to do that because that saved my sanity that I could at least talk to my family. Yeah. yeah. That was, um, it's so funny. Cause I'm sitting here, Ron, as you're talking, I'm, I'm trying to talk through my mouth without 
breathing air you know yeah. <laughs> you just said yeah and yeah I'm like, it, I'm, and i'm sitting here like oh, yeah I, I can't you you have to blow air out your mouth to talk i guess i never I ne- even thought i of never that thought about it before that. either yeah yeah that, that something is- complicated once the recovery happened what would you say your the process for you of like understanding that you're in the the black community mm-hmm. now Embracing it, right? Embracing when, it. When yes. did you embrace it? I left there in January of '94. I left the hospital. Went to. I, I talked to the doctors there, and they didn't know. They had no explanation what happened. My vision, why I can't see, what the prognosis was. They say when you go to that physical rehab center, get in to see a neuro ophthalmologist. And I did. And there in Austin, this guy he pumped me full of pipe dreams, though. He's like, mm. I'm going to this ophthalmology conference. You're going to, you know, mm. your ideal yeah. candidate for this procedure. There's a Russian doctor. He's written a paper about this and he's going to be presenting there. And I'm like, wow, this is just what I want to hear. And he was telling me exactly what I wanted to hear. And I was thinking this isn't going to be permanent. My eyes just haven't woken up, whatever. I, I couldn't believe this was real, this blindness. I didn't know anyone was blind all my life. You know, I, I had a volunteer in the hospital who came up to my room after I was awake and able to interact. And she answered some of my first questions about blindness. But, you know, I just still had a problem believing this was permanent. You know, this is going to get fixed. I left the rehab center after five weeks, moved back in with my parents. And, you know, one of the OTs at the physical rehab center, she used to be an O&M trainer at Chris Cole. And she says, Ron, you need to go to Chris Cole. They'll teach you how to use a, a long white cane. And I'm like, I don't know about that. You know, I mean, I was in a wheelchair when I got there because I couldn't walk. Even when I got home to my mom and dad's house, I was on a walker. I was using a quad cane. And I said, well, I need to figure out where to start. My parents were real supportive, helpful. They found out that Texas Commission for the Blind the regional director came to my house and to their house there and interviewed me. And first thing I said is, I want to learn what I need to do to live here. I don't need to go to this Chris Cole place, wherever that is. Mm-hmm. There's nothing there but a bunch of blind people. They know they're mm-hmm. blind and I don't need to be around them. Right. You want to talk about denial? Wow. I was going to say acceptance <laughs> along with denial, right? Yeah. That's kind of like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I accept it, but I'm denying it at the same time. I'm sticking my head in that sand <laughs> that I can't see. Right. <laughs> and that was about March. And, you know, I came down here to Houston to get a second opinion. The, the girlfriend I was dating at the time, I was talking to her and she told me about this pastor up there who had seen Dr. Willis, an ophthalmologist here in Houston. And he had done some surgery, restored his vision. And I said, I need to go see this doctor. Yeah. He's not just talking promises. He's doing this. Right. So I got in to see Dr. Willis here. This was after I already interviewed with the regional director from Texas Commission for the Blind. And I come see Dr. Willis and me and my dad, we're going in and I'm like, it doesn't matter what he says. He can't tell me anything worse than what I've been told before. The doctor's saying, you know, this is bad. Um, you know, there's only two nerves that regenerate, uh, don't regenerate in the body, the spinal cord and the optic nerve. Optic nerves, yep. And exactly. So, but I thought, well, maybe if he could fix that one guy's vision, he can fix maybe mine. Maybe yours. 
so we go in and he wasn't a neuro ophthalmologist. He didn't have all the fancy scopes and machines that the doctor in Austin had. He sat down, he looked my eyes. He had this draw, you know, it was a sheet that had the printed figure of the eye and he was coloring it in with colored pencils. My dad's describing this to me later and, you know, maybe low tech, but he, he gave me the best advice that I needed to hear. Not what I wanted to hear. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He says, you need to get your moxie about you and learn Mm -hmm. to live your life as a blind man. Oh, see, I I appreciate that though. I love that. That man. That that man you know, doesn't know the difference he made in my life with those right. words. Right, I I can imagine. Wow, yeah, I love that it, because you don't want to hear that. Doesn't even make me tingle. Just wow. <laughs> right, it does. That was cool. All you right, know, well, everybody wants to say the false hope stuff makes you, you know, give you hope, but it's like whatever happens, happens. You just need to learn how to live how you are. It it sure wasn't what I wanted to hear, not what I no, expected. No, absolutely hear. not. You know, he was just really down to earth. He said, "Look." He says, there's some great research being done out there. He says, they may be able to restore your vision one day. One day, right? Yeah. He he says, there's lots of research being done on rats in a lab. He says, but it's a long way from mice to men. You know, carrying that over in in real life and getting this done in people. He said, you know, go out there. He says, "You're, you're very fortunate. You're in a state with good benefits for blind people here. He says, go out there and learn to do this for yourself. And, mm. you know, where my parents live is in Central Texas. They live in Coppers Cove. And we're halfway home going through College Station. And I asked my dad, I said, you're off coming up next week. Could you take me up to this Chris Cole place? I, I want to go to mm. And mm-hmm. what, what brought that about was Dr. Willis telling yes. me what I needed to hear. You know, two hours mm-hmm. into the drive home. And it, it sunk home with me that. Mm-hmm. This is what I need to do. And Dr. Willis was like the, almost a turning point, huh? He, he he was very influential in what where my life went from there on. You know, he gave me the direction I needed. You know, you talk about that as a turning point, man. That turning point gives you direction. That's exactly what it was. For sure. Yeah. Well, shout out to Dr. Willis. I, yes, you, you man. know, thank I'm, you for Everyone needs them, but Dr. In, Willis. Yes, that, that exactly. Foundation, that introduction of it. I oh, mean, I, I'm telling. You, I yes. wish I had a Dr. Willis like that. That was yeah. definitely. Yeah. So then, Ron. After so, okay. So you embraced it. You went to Chris Cole. You kind of uh, were now realizing uh, that, hey, I better learn how to be a blind man. I, I did go up there for that tour. I wasn't thinking that was run by the state or something. I thought it was something private. And when I called up there, I said, "Hey, I want to make a, uh, I want to take a tour." And they said, "Who's your counselor?" I don't <laughs> know. I, I, I told them. I, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they got it fixed up. I went up there and took that tour. And you know, after taking a tour of Chris Cole, they said, "What do you want most from you know if you come in to Chris Cole?" I said, "I want my life back." That, that was my sole purpose. I wanted to get my foundation mm-hmm. down. My, my dad had taken off. My family put their lives on hold while I was in the hospital. They moved up. Mm-hmm. They, they lived in this Winnebago that the girl I was dating had brought up there to the hospital. Um, yeah. You know, Such support, but, though. Talk about support system. Yeah. Though. You, oh, had, really? you, had, great, you had great support. Not everybody yeah. has I, that. So I, that's no, I, 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 mm-hmm. I was blessed. 
And you know, after after I moved back home, my dad was a little hesitant. He says, "But I need to go back to work." He worked for the prison system too, mm-hmm. and he was talking about you know retiring. And I said, "You know, we're we're sitting there at his house one night, and I said, let me tell you something, Pop. I love you. I thank y'all for what you've done for me. I couldn't do this without y'all right now. But don't retire because of me, because I've got to get my life together." Mm-hmm. And I'm going to live on my own again. If you retire so so you can take care of me, when I move out, you're going to feel empty. Like, well, why did I retire? Don't do that. For right. me. And, and he didn't. He he worked for another three or four years after that before he did retire. But May of 94, when all that happened with Dr. Willis. And, you know, when I took that tour of Chris Cole, they said, well, we got college prep going on, so it'll be August. And I'm like, man, I don't want to wait till August. But they had an opening come up in July. And mm. they said, well, you know, it's got a lot of youngsters here. Um, but, you know, I, I'm i like, I can show youngsters a few, a few things. A few things or two. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, 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 I said, I'm, not, I'm not scared of no youngsters. We, we can deal with this. So I got up there and. You know, every day, I, I don't know if either of y'all have been to Chris Cole, it's residential, and your day is structured. Mm-hmm. You have classes every day. I had cooking class first period, and I, I don't know that we call it first period, but my first class was cooking. So, I mean, I'd go in there, I'd cook, I learned how to cook, and, you know, the one of the things I told that regional director, I want to learn to be safe in the kitchen, because I couldn't make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich uh, much less get near the stove because I'd burn mm-hmm. the food, burn myself, burn the house down, mm-hmm. whatever. So that was my one reason for wanting to go to Chris Cole, but I learned so much more. You know, I, I got my first white cane there and mm. got O&M. I learned grade one Braille in four days. And my, my Braille instructor, she was, went on and on about, I've never seen anyone learn it that fast. And yeah, you said four days? Four days, yeah. And, wow. You know, but I wanted to go to grade two. They couldn't teach me grade two there. They said, well, you have to go to Hadley. And somewhere in the process, I just got lost in the shuffle and I learned about the technology. I, I'm i not a Braille user today. Right. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. what I learned, and I, I've shared so many times, they don't teach you everything. They teach you the basics, the fundamentals. When I was a captain, I was known for Captain Ron's spicy lasagna. And, mm. you know, they didn't teach me how to make lasagna, but they taught me how to do the different parts that all I need to do is put these pieces together. I right, learned how yeah. to brown the meat. I learned how to cook noodles, drain the noodles and make a casserole, you know, a layered casserole. I'm like, you can make your lasagna now, dude. Go home. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, and and yes. I, had, I had the confidence to feel comfortable and safe doing this. And that's what it's about there. That, it that, is, and I think that makes it. the difference, Ron. And and the that's confidence. what I, I'm, uh, yes. And I, I love that, that's the point that you made just now, because when you have that confidence that makes you want to learn, wants, makes you want to just learn how to live this way, because yeah. you, know, you went through a life altering change right. and some people can. And, and we see it, all of us, we see it all the time. Some people can ball up in a corner and, and think their life is over and feel that way and never, you know, never think they can be successful, yep. right? Yep. Or 
grab the bull, grab the bull by, by the horn. horn. Yeah, by yes. the horn. Yeah. yeah. And, yes. and do that. And yes, so indeed. kudos well, to you, Ron, now, and just like, sharing that with us. Now, in those months when I was living with my mom and dad, I did have those days. I What I come to find out, that that was a relatively quick period to get to the acceptance. But yeah. boy, I mean, there was those times I'm, I stayed up some late nights. I was getting drunk. I just think that's ironic mm-hmm. now you're, you're sitting here getting drunk what how'd you get here well you got right. drunk get drunk, right but yeah feeling sorry for myself yeah i was gonna say my, self-pity yeah. you know the sorry you state of my life those five stages huh and mm-hmm. I, I i cursed god and i mean mm-hmm. god's forgiven uh because yeah. I, mm-hmm. I talked pretty funky to him for a while right and yeah when i was later in going to university and i studied psychology i was in the psychology club and we had a guest speaker and he talked to us about elizabeth kubler ross and her theory of grief and i'd never heard this explained like he explained it i'm like boom boy i slammed my hand on my desk i said you just described my life i lived this mm-hmm. you know that depression <laughs> the anger the yes. denial yeah. everything yeah. yes bargaining getting up to yes. acceptance I'm like, there, yeah. there you are. I, I yeah, live those there, stages. Yeah. And, and Ron, it's not, and just, you know, for our listeners and anybody that's listening, it's not just you. I went through it. Joseph, I think we, yeah, all we, of us we, that have gone through, especially such a drastic change from one day. Anything I can traumatic or trauma yeah. or something like right. that. You're going to go right. through those stages. You have I, that. I, I feel you are, you know. Well, yeah. I think we all do. And mm-hmm. that when we lose something, and that's what it is. You're grieving something you've lost. Right, you lost. Right. Yes. We, we lost our vision. And mm-hmm. yeah, you grieve that. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's a part of you and it change. you have to change your life because of it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. your life is, you know, it's stamped. You have those days before that loss and the days after that loss. They're distinctly different. Right. True. And let's not forget, guys, everybody, because we all grieve differently. So some people can get over it in six months, some yeah. six days, six weeks, some six years. Some people are still trying and to get. That's to get what over I was going to say. Some some will go through the stages where, you know, you have your good days, but then you will go. You repeat some of your stages before you even get to the full right. levels of because, acceptance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You like you'll mm-hmm. still reverse these stages over and over. Right. So it's, it just it just depends, you know. Absolutely right. Well, I'm glad, Ron, that you got to your acceptance. You started, you realized, you realized you had to learn how to make that lasagna. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to eat. You'll be, you'll starve. I can't wait so- to try this spicy lasagna. I'm kind of So, um, moving forward, what, what would you say some of your milestones were? coming from because you know you've been mm. blind now for quite some time so i know that there's a lot that's happened in between well, but what are some of your milestones that you would say the milestones that happen happened because of a couple of things that i understood one mm-hmm. i understood you lost your sight not your life mm. and you know life's not going to come knocking at your door and say hey ron you want to come out and play no right. you have to go yeah. out and pursue your life Mm-hmm. So if you stay sheltered inside your house, life's yeah. not going to come looking for you. Mm-mm. You have to go out and find it. And I also learned that I needed goals. And mm. when I made captain, I came in first on two promotion boards. The two captain's jobs at my unit, I came in first in the interview ranking. And the regional director called me to his office and he asked me, says, all right, captain, let me ask you, um, what's your short-term goals? Um, what's your long-term goals? And 
I, I kind of blubbered some nonsense. And he says, let me tell you something. <laughs> he says, without a date, a goal is just a dream. Mm. Hello. Hello. Yeah. He, he says, you can set yes. your goal. You can work towards that goal, but you need to have a date when you want to achieve that goal. Mm-hmm. And he says, once you set it, he says, if you need to adjust it, you can adjust it. You keep right. working towards your goal. And yeah. I never forgot that. And that served me well after I became blind more than he ever realized on impacting my life because mm. I took that to heart. So after I moved out of my mom and dad's house, October that same year, you know, I moved in their house in February. And Gosh, you October, moved fast. Yeah. And then you were out of there by October, huh? You, well, you felt I, you were ready to go. Well, I, I had a good friend. He and I rented a house together. He was mm-hmm. wanting to move us. And we got talking about, well, why don't we do this together? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I was out of mom and dad's house and I would do more without them around right. if I was on yeah. my own. But I also yeah. had my friend there if I needed backup, if I need, mm-hmm. okay, I, I can't quite do this yet. Right. So yeah. we rented a house together and I wound up buying that house. I think that's, that was ironic. I, I never owned a house before until I became blind. Right. Wow. Yeah. So, so that was pretty cool. So moving forward, you know, I thought I learned that here in Texas, our tuition is waived at all state colleges and universities. Mm-hmm. I said, um, you have 25 hours towards an associate's degree. First goal you need to set, get that associate's degree, go get that degree in criminal justice, mm. go finish that. So I did, I went to the community college and before I did that though, I said, man, I can't, my cane skills, I was very, you talk about confidence, it went to zero with that cane. I'm like, I, mm. I don't know about this. I didn't want to use the cane. I, I put it off for a long time. I went sighted guide. I wouldn't take a cane. But then I kind of forced myself, I, you need to at least let people see you're not mm. some drunk fool stumbling. <laughs> yes, or, yeah. You, yeah. You, you, you're yeah. blind. There's a reason. Which is the usual yeah. opinion when I see that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I went to the seeing eye and... That was uh, just a great experience. You talk about getting your confidence. I mean, I've had dogs all my life, so that was a natural transition. You got a guide dog. I did. And it was really ironic because when I was there, I met a young man. He was 19 years old. And he says, Ron, did I hear you tell that lady you were blind in a car wreck? I said, yeah. He says, no way. Me too. And he says, how long ago? I said, about a year and a half ago. No way. Me too. Mm-hmm. He said, what day? I said, October 9th of 93. No freaking way. Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Um, and he and I were still friends today. Um, wow. yeah, that, was, that, that was in April of 95. I was there getting my first thing, iDog. And we, um, you know, we connected. And I thought it was just so ironic. We're both blinded in car wrecks, both caused by a drunk driver he got hit by a drunk driver i was a drunk driver right yeah and here we were getting our first seeing eye dogs together to take our lives back to get control of our lives and with that dog i mean i finished i got my associate's degree and then i had to figure out what i want to do after that and i met I, i met this woman when i was doing some motivational speaking at my high school back home. And that led me to speak in San Antonio at a 
Powell's conference, Pure Assistance and Leadership. They paid me a whopping 50 bucks to come present two <laughs> workshops. I, I, yeah. I don't knock the money because I yeah, met my wife right. there. I can't wait for this story because I I love this story. I you know I'm I'm very fond of her, and that's what I was leading into the story when you met her. And well, you guys each call each other your better half because they're so sweet, and you guys are just yes, they they both are. So I can see that. We're, we're, we're a good fit together and it was just so cool my workshop was well received just standing room only actually had people sitting on the windowsills it this was in a high school high school for the performing arts in san antonio and they had overflow you know seating more than they sh- were should have so i felt really good just getting this feedback on what i had shared because i was talking about choices and consequences and i was emphasizing them because PALS is an organization of student leaders. And I I emphasize what I did, I made some bad choices that led to where I am today. But that doesn't mean you can't make mistakes. You learn from them and you move forward. I said, you're here making good leadership decisions today. I said, if you make mistakes and make bad choices along the way, pick yourself up and move forward because that's where you're a leader. Keep leading. Yeah. There was a lady who came up and introduced herself to me and told me, hi, my name's Mindy Bethard. I'm a teacher in Channel View, and I've never heard of Channel View. And mm-hmm. she told me, says, well, you heard of the pom-pom mom, the cheerleader mom? I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I know that's down around Pasadena, uh, down in Houston, huh? And yeah, yeah. Well, she told me, says, I've got a 10th grader who's blind. And she wants to learn how to cook, but I'm a cooking teacher. I don't know how to teach someone who's blind. She says, I feel like I've got a Corvette and can't drive a stick shift. Hmm. I know how to do this, but I don't know how to do this one way. And we exchanged contact information and we got in touch. I mean, she wrote me a letter. That was a Saturday we met. I had a letter on Wednesday. I told her I had a reading machine. I had a Kurzweil reading edge and I told her if it was printed, it could read to me. And so she printed it up on her computer. And then I sat down and I wrote her a four page letter telling her, I don't like writing letters. Mm-hmm. But I wrote four, took me four, four pages. pages. <laughs> so oh, we, started, <laughs> we started talking mm-hmm. on the phone and you know, that was February 1st of 97 that we met. And by the end of May, because we talked about the different things that I advised her on, I I said, go in your pantry, pick with the blindfold on, pick up the can of peaches, not the peas, because when you open them and you get the other, it's not what you expected. It's (laughs) it's an unpleasant surprise. And and I talked her through, you know, cooking on, you know, browning meat on the stove reaching in the oven with the, get, getting a hot lasagna dish out of the oven. She did all this in her apartment so she could go and teach this one student. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm like, you know, she learned how to do all this for one student. I, I, I love this lady. 
he's fulfilled our lives. He's, you know, he's the center of our world here. Our, everything we do, he's right in the middle of it and we wouldn't have it any other way. Right. Um, Ron, can I ask a question about that though? And I've, yeah. I've been curious, I'm sure a lot of us would like to know about this. Was there any resistance or any hesitation of, in the adoption process when knowing that you were a blind oh, man? I, I'm was, glad you asked that because I was worried about that. I, I said, first off, we had to have a home visit from a social worker here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to be approved. And I was like, man, they're going to say, how's a blind guy going to take care of right. me? Yeah. And so I tried to knock that down at every step. I'm like, okay, all the safety things, you know, the outlet covers and, you know, the cabinet locks that, you know, little plastic mm-hmm. locks you put on your cabinet. I'm like, I'm going to do all this. And I just need to wow the heck out of this person when they come. And, and I think that was effective. I, it was not a show. I, I, this comes back to that confidence. Yes, you have to, yeah. You know, it, I tried to think through the question she might ask. Well, what if you're at home and your child is crawled away from you? How are you going to find them? And mm-hmm. there were, I, I had different answers, you know, for different scenarios like that. And, Mm-hmm. You know, so I was ready. I, I had myself prepared to answer. And she loved us. She's like, yeah, that's going through on my end. She said, that's not a problem. And, mm-hmm. um, that, but then I thought, because I'm like, we're going to Guatemala. What about their end? Do they have any bias towards mm-hmm. blind people? Because mm-hmm. I, I was told that in Mexico, you know, you're seen as a third class citizen if you have yeah, a, less if you're blind or mm-hmm. disability. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. I, I thought, I'm going to Guatemala, which is just south of Mexico. I'm like, right. cult- culturally, they're pretty close. I'm, I'm like, I don't want any mm-hmm. problem. And mm-hmm. I don't want some bureaucrat looking at this application. Oh, this man's blind. No. And I was working in the um, disability service office at the University of Houston, Clear Lake. And that fell under the, the domain of the um, university health director, who mm-hmm. is a good friend of mine today. But at that time, I told her, I said, you know, the doctor, when he comes here, he, he came on campus once a week. And I said, I've got this physical I have to have filled out. And she says, well, we'll get you in to see Dr. Dillard. And, you know, I went in and talked to him about it. And I said, I want to address uh, I'd like you to say something about the fact that I've taken the challenge of, that the blindness has brought on and I've adapted and am able to compensate uh, my, with com- compensatory skills. And, mm-hmm. you know, and he says, Ron, you write it out. I will sign that. He mm-hmm. says, you tell, you mm-hmm. have it say exactly what you want it to say and I will sign that. Right. Yeah. And, and he nice. did. And we had no problem anywhere along the line, but I, I think it's like so many other things that we deal with on a regular basis, planning mm-hmm. ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being prepared, you know, right? Being prepared. Yeah, think, think through situations. Mm-hmm. What, you know, when I worked at the prison, one of the things they taught us in the academy, you know, the uh, pre-service academy, was play the what-if game and think, through, yeah. what if this happened? What if that mm-hmm. happened? And mm-hmm. it's that whole scenario all over again. You know, that's what I, we live our life this way. What if, absolutely. You know, what if that Uber doesn't come? What's your backup plan? Right. You know, what, what if this happens? How are you going to handle that? So 
you know, and I think that helped prepare me to deal mm-hmm. with that whole adoption process because I was trying to think it through on their side. What if they they mm-hmm. think this? What? How are you going to counter that when you're if you're not able to be there to say something? They better have something in their hands showing them. Um, yeah, that right. you're able to do this. So yeah, and it's so unfortunate that we, you know, as uh, blinded, but we have to do so much more to prepare and plan. It, it's unfortunate, but it's something that we accept and mm-hmm. something that we have to do. But I feel like you being prepared and because the questions that can come without you being prepared could make you look like an idiot or a jerk or rude because you're not, you know, you, yeah. you come off standoffish or what do you mean? What, what, a, why, how can I do this? What do you mean? How do I call? <laughs> yeah. Cause you know you're just I mean? not prepared. That shot you're not pre- right. Yeah. Like, how you dare come you off ask a little wrong question. with it? Like what, what do you mean? How am I going to do or this? Or just a slight hesitation could just make you not seem like you just That's really, confident, but, right. yeah, yeah. as confident yeah. as. See, and, so. and, and y'all bring up certain things that I've thought of too, that my prior career really helped prepare me to deal with this too, because when I was going up for captain, I asked the warden, it was a weekend. Jim Shaw was, he was an awesome man. And he was on duty that weekend. I said, Warden Shaw, um, when you have five minutes, could I talk with you? And he said, sure. He called me and it took that five minute talk turned into a 45 minute um, mm. sharing from him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he says, you're going to make captain. He says, you're, You've got the skills, abilities, but he says, you know, he, he told me something then and I still recall it today like it happened yesterday. He says, when you're sitting across in an interview, we want to see how you think under pressure. We're going to ask you things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the warden sit on these interview promotion boards and, you know, he's speaking from experience. He says, we want to see how you react under pressure. And he says, it's okay to feel nervous here and he points to his chest and stomach because mm-hmm. it's okay to feel nervous here just don't right. show it here and he points to the space and we're in a vision we're in a sighted world and part of that is being prepared not showing your emotions and not reacting emotionally i think so much of that is something that gives some blind people well blind people in general a bad reputation at times that, you know, they're just emotional. And I ran into it with the seeing eye dog when you're out mm. somewhere and you get denied access or denied service and oh, you yeah. just re- react emotionally, like listen mm. here. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, you, you get angry and yes, then, defensive, then you're, very yeah, you, you're seeing mm-hmm. that, that boy, them blind people sure are angry all the right. time. They're mad <laughs> yes. at the world. So, right. You know, uh, thinking it through and, you know, you can be angry in here. Yeah. Don't right. show it here. Yeah. Don't react emotionally. That is a good point. Thank you so much, Ron, for sharing that. And just your words of wisdom. I just, I think that we can all learn from the things that you say. And I personally I totally learn. agree. Such and powerful <laughs> words, man. I, I'm proud to. Yes, I'm proud to call you a friend and I appreciate your just, you know, your knowledge and and all of that. So let's 
let's go ahead and um, why don't you share with us a little bit about what you've done in the blind community? Oh man, yes, we're, I was like, get to that. Yes, yeah, because uh, I was like, man, let's talk about on. how he's gotten to the organization of the community in, yes. the, in the city. Mm-hmm. So, but, um, you know, one of the things that I noticed was I didn't want to be around those blind people at first. Mm-hmm. So after I went to Chris Cole, I realized, you know, the people that I met there, the time I spent there, they fulfilled a part of me that w- when I went back home to my mom and dad's, I was depressed. And, yeah. I, I, and mm-hmm. I finished Chris Cole and I was sitting out at my parents' pool. And my brother came out there and he says, what's wrong? And I, I was sad and I didn't know why, but I figured it out later. I, um, I missed some of the people I was around up there. Mm-hmm. Because they understood me. Relatability. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, my yes. mom, my dad, my brother, and my sister. They loved you. They, they love you. Yeah. But they but can't, they they can't relate. relate. They can't relate. They can't relate. Yeah. Some of the small mm-hmm. frustrations and challenges. Mm-hmm. And, yes. Know, so from then on, I've made it a point to connect with other blind people who are around okay. me and when mm-hmm. I moved, you know, I, I live in Kingwood with, with Mindy today in Austin, and we, we live in Kingwood. I moved up here, and I made a couple of friends. I was volunteering in New Caney School District, teaching assistive technology to their visually impaired students. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I had a blind friend in Humble, one in here in Kingwood, one in Crosby, some there in New Caney School District. I'm like, you know... I had three people in particular that I said, you don't know anyone else in this area who is blind. No. Why don't we start a support group? And if the group doesn't take off, at least you'll meet my other friends and I won't be the only one in the area that you can call on. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, that Mm -hmm. relatability that I was the only person that they knew who was blind. So I said, okay, let's, and that was the starting of, my support group, VIPSET, Visually Impaired People of Southeast Texas. It's a mouthful, mm-hmm. so VIPSET. Yeah, VIPSET. Yeah. VIPSET, okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, you know, and we started meeting, uh, we just had our 13th anniversary in October. Oh, wow. Nice. We, we, we meet monthly on the third Monday, and that's the day we started meeting was the third Monday, and we kept it that way. We've moved locations a few times, but right after I started that, a uh, lady named Lee Boncher, she calls me. She says, Ron, hi, I'm Lee. I run a support group on the southwest side of town, and wouldn't it be cool if we could, you know, connect with other support groups and, you know, just bring us all together to do something once or twice a year? And, wow, that would be cool. So, we found some other groups that were meeting, and so we started out. Um, there, there was Via, there was Dipset, mm-hmm. there was her group, the Houston Low Vision Club Southwest. There was a Houston Low Vision Club Central, and refocus. Um, mm-hmm. Refocus. Okay. It, it, mm-hmm. it was refocus, and. You know, it started with the five of us sitting down and meeting at a low vision day at that VIA was sponsoring. And they had mm-hmm. Freedom Scientific there presenting. And uh, it was a well-organized day, but we stayed afterwards. And the five of us sat down and we talked and said, hey, we could do this. And that was the start of what Haven is today. 
we started planning what was to be our first Inside Expo. Lee also knew Dr. Stan Wu at the University of Houston at the College of Optometry. He, you know, I'm not sure what his title was, but he embraced the idea of hosting something for us. You know, that's been a longstanding relationship with with the College of Optometry, and it's still there today. Things just took off. As we evolved, we decided, look, we can do more if we're a nonprofit organization, and Mm -hmm. that's that's opened doors for us. Um, that took some work, you know, work we hadn't planned on doing when we started, but mm-hmm. um, to the point that, you know, we are a nonprofit. We, I think we've all grown along the way as well. Uh, some of our groups have left, some have changed. iBug today is what it is after our first Inside Expo. Uh, mm-hmm. Michael, he was there as the president of the Low Vision Club Central and they had this neat thing called voiceover on this new iPhone and mm. his workshop, he presented it twice, standing room only. I, you know, the house was packed, most popular workshop. And I can't claim any success in being a part of that. But I did tell Michael that day, I'm like, with that much interest, you know, you should really, you know, do something with that. And right. uh, it, yeah. it wound up, his whole group wound up, morphing into iBug today. He mm-hmm. said our membership is basically the Low Vision Club is now iBug. So I just think that's beautiful that that came out of yeah, absolutely. the workshop at the first Inside Expo. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, you know, uh, and today we're nine groups and organizations. You know, yes, yes. Beautiful. Um, I was working on some paperwork earlier today uh, as a grant application and I think the most powerful statement in there is if you approve this application, you're not just helping one organization, Haven, but you are helping the nine member organizations to help us serve our community because I will take a little pride here. Mm -hmm. Um, Early on, you know, I said, we're bringing us all together, you know, from our community. I'm like, that's bringing unity to our community Yes. And, yeah. and that's stuck because that, that's exactly yeah. what we do. Even our mm-hmm. logo, mm-hmm. It's, it's the word Haven. It has in gold letters and it has a circle that comes around because that's unity joining mm-hmm. us all together. And we pronounce it Haven because it's a safe, safe place. place. Yes. Absolutely. Safe and, place. Yes. And uh, I do want to say because, you know, I'm a part of Haven and I've, I've seen even the, the growth, the little time I've been here, but we started with the annual expos, but one good thing that pandemic did for us is, you know, our workshops that we, we do and now are open to everybody, well, internationally even. So there's growth and continuous growth with Haven. Oh, much yeah. growth and continue too, yes. Mm-hmm. yes. You know, <laughs> when the pandemic set in, Something that happened, and I think this was your words, Victoria, because Mm -hmm. we were two weeks out from the 2020 Inside Expo, Mm -hmm. and everything shut down. And, you know, we all wanted to do something, and we were on a conference call figuring out what we were on Zoom on a conference Mm -hmm. call. You know, we've been using Zoom for over a year or so. For our meetings, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for our meetings. And thought, well, what if we had something on Zoom 
And, mm-hmm. you know, if any workshop we host at the Inside Expo, we could do on Zoom, unless mm-hmm. there's something hands-on, we could do this on Zoom. And your words, Victoria, were, yes. we are so yeah. much more than just an annual event. Yes, I remember and saying that. I, I've never mm-hmm. forgotten it. And, and that's led us to evolve even further. You know, we have an office today. We have a physical presence. We're working at getting schedules set up to staff the office a couple of days a week. Mm-hmm. And we want to be able to be there where we can schedule people to come by for assistance. You know, they, they can meet with us. Uh, we can share information. We can share resources. And just the fact that we want to do this, we've been met with great support along the way. I'm, you know, I'm just overwhelmed that all the support we we found. And it, it's just like after my accident, when I moved back home with my parents, I came to the realization that all my family and my friends that were there for me, they formed a safety net. And, you know, just like a mm-hmm. tightrope walker. Right, Every yeah. person in there is a rope in your net. And they catch you. They keep right. you from hitting bottom. They hold you up till you can get back up on your own. And even with Haven, uh, you know, even when we had a setback, we caught ourselves. We were our own safety net. And mm-hmm. We didn't hit bottom. We bounced right. back. We got right back up. And, you know, as, yep. as we move so forward, beautiful. we, we yeah. find that support system here for us as well. So it's awesome. Yes. Yes, I know. And I am so proud to be a part of Haven as well. And not only that, but Ron, to have you as such an awesome leader, you yes. have you, you lead us, you you guided us, you. But you're not you're such awesome, you know, right? And he's not a, a dictate. You know, not this is what it's going to be. No, he. You're so you're inclusive of your team. You know, you listen to your team, um, but then at the same time, you you make the decisions that need to be made. So, great job to you. Kudos to well, you. Thank you. Um, and so tell us, Ron, we're going to link everything, um, but, you know, how, how, how do we reach Haven? Because um, it's open to everybody. Anybody can reach us and, and um, learn about our groups and our Zoom conference calls that we do monthly. Where do they go? All right. So we have a website, haventx, H-A-V-I-N-T-X dot org, O-R-G, and if you can remember Haven TX, you can find us on any social media. That's our handle on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Haven TX, H A V I N T X. And you can email us at Haven, H A V I N, at haventx.org. Or you can awesome. call us. We have our own phone number now, 713 570 6968. And, awesome. You know, how, however it works best for you, contact us, reach out because we know what it's like. And I learned a long time ago the wisest man in the world doesn't know the answer to everything, but it probably mm. knows where to go to find those answers. Man, see, that's and, a gem we needed for the air. Boy, you keep dropping gems off. Do this. I, I'm loving well, it, though. I'm loving it. Yes, well, man. you know what? I think he'll be able to pull out another one for, you know, because he's been dropping them the whole yeah, see, time. Yes, I'm telling you, that's talking, why I had to say so. something. I, I love it. It's, man, it's been <laughs> awesome. Well, I, and I will say this. People talk about Haven and 
me, it's not me. It, it's the team around me. I mean, y'all make me look good. I, you know, I, I might be the president. I have the title. I have some leadership responsibilities, but I couldn't do this on my own. It's, I, I, I am surrounded by a group of strong leaders. And, you know, right, yeah. when, when it comes time to doing things, people jump right in. They, they, take, they take that bull by the horns. And they rodeo that bull down. They take it and go. Well, they say teamwork makes the dream work. That's the best Absolutely way. Absolutely right. Absolutely. I've got a great right. team. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. <coughs> well, thank you. Well, thank thank y'all. <laughs> um, yes. And okay, so with that being said, Uh-oh, um, we're going to that you, time? You, you know what time it is. Yes, it is. Uh-oh. It's our family food time, but <laughs> but <laughs> no. I do want to do I am, but I do want to just say um just a little back. We are going to have all of the um contact information for our listeners. It's going to be in the description as well. And for you to know too, Ron. So if you, if you did not okay. um write down what was said, it's gonna be out there for you, okay. So yes, it's time, guys. I, mean, I wish I had my family feed music. I, I'm yeah, we're gonna get that, us a sound effect for I know, this one. I, it's I know. There you there go. go. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so Ron, we just like to just kind of end it with a little bit of fun. And you know, I'm a huge Family Feud fan, so I try to incorporate it in all of our interviews. We, you're not being timed, so you're just gonna answer the. Uh, what is it? Oh, the top five. Top, top, <laughs> top five questions with the, the top five. Que- yes, five questions. Right. With the top no, answers. I was trying to think. What I was trying to think of was fast money. So, fast money. Uh, fast yes, money. I was trying to think of fast. Wait, money. wait a minute. Just, Do I get to say twenty thousand dollars? T- yes, hey, you I'm can't say that. Hey, I'm can't say that. Yes, <laughs> So. All right, let's go. We're going to go with Ken. You just answer whatever comes to mind, Ron, and let's see how you do. All, All right, right. let's it. go. Name a reason to celebrate with the party. A birthday. Name a reason why your parents would ground you. Staying out after curfew. Okay. Name a popular bar- board game. Monopoly. What annoying thing does dogs do? Bark. Okay. What are the subjects you learn in school? Subjects. Reading, math. Um, well, just one. That's just no, one. I, 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 my okay. bad. You about to give us the list? My All bad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did say we'll subjects. We'll take so, the first so one. Math. I did say subjects. Yeah, there okay, we go. Math yeah. Is for, okay, math yeah, is Okay. I don't know why I said subjects, but you yeah. You did. It's okay. I'm start rattling off history, science, I will tell, geography. I will, well, I will tell you, Ron, you did really good. He did really good. I know. Let's go through. So, name a reason to celebrate with a party. Uh, birthday. Say, birthday was not number one. So number one but was, it was gradu- in there, though. Number he, one was graduation. Sure. Yeah. Wedding was next. Bachelor bachelorette party was next. Hey. Holiday occasion. Wait, no birthday. Anniversary. There was no birthday on that one. I could have oh, sworn wow. there was. Yeah, wow. so that was a good. Boy, you, I thought it was too. You birthday Grinches out there. I know. Nice. Right? <laughs> I would have thought that would have been number one yeah. before mm. graduation because mm. birthdays come every year. Graduation. Right. Come and that's every always a good reason. I mean, always reason for a party. 
Right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. Name a reason why your parents would ground you. Curse Number you. one was a lying. Lying. Okay. Getting into a fight. Mm-hmm. Okay. Used a curse word. Mm-hmm. Snuck out of the house. Failed a test. And that was mm-hmm. it. So that's another. Uh, but that. Okay. Wow. I don't that know. I would kind of put. Yeah, because he said all well, the curfew, and they said snuck out of the house. Yeah, yeah. Snuck out. yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. one was staying out, and the other was sneaking out. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, all right. Luckily, you know, but you know, I, because I'll play my Steve hat, and I'll, I'll give that to you. We'll, we'll put that on there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> my my producer right. saying that we we're gonna right. Agree. Yeah. we're gonna agree. <laughs> we're gonna agree. <laughs> Name a popular board game and yes, he Monopoly. did it. Monopoly. Monopoly was one. number one. Oh, answer. yeah. Dang, dang. Then, uh, let's see what we have. Chess, which I never even thought I of. I love chess. some chess. Oh, man. Chess. Um, what was the other one? Checkers. That's another I board love game. I that game, too. Scrabble, which I like Scrabble, too. Especially Scrabble's cool. Scrabble. Yeah. <laughs> Makes you have to think. Yeah. And then yeah. Clue. Clue was the last Clue. one. I remember. Yeah, I remember that That's one. Right. Good old Colonel Mustard. Kill right? it, yeah. Kill it in the library with a candle, right? Yeah, lip yeah. pipe. All right. What annoying things do dogs do? Um, you said bark. Okay, bark. so number one was pee or poop on the floor. Pee uh, poop. Okay. On the f- <laughs> I never realized they gave her like a multiple choice in, in one. Pee poop. <laughs> it was, yeah, pee poop. I guess it's all the same. So, so it, if you said go to the bathroom in the house or in the yeah, house, right. yeah, 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 pretty much exactly. you get her. You yeah, pretty much get right. the whole umbrella. <laughs> uh, chew furniture. Yeah, nice. Dig up the garden. Mm, yeah, they do that. Bark all the time. Yeah, we go. Hey, there. Bark all right. And then jump on people was the last one. Yeah. All right, so, so, oh, so this is why I said subject because I read the whole question wrong, but it's okay, we got it. Because the question is, what are the subjects you learn at school? So there was okay. a plural, but I guess you were it just was. supposed to just say one, I guess. Yeah, you I know? guess out of yeah. the main right. courses. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But guess what? Number one answer, ding, 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 ding. Because yeah. he I'm, said I'm, math. You said I'm a math magician. Yeah. Hey, yep. math. Hey. So we had math, English, science, history, geography, and that was it. So, Got it all. Yay! I love it. Good job, though. Wonderful. Hey. Good job. Wonderful. That was yes, fun. yes, indeed. <laughs> this whole interview, this time it has was been fun. wonderful. This has been a good moment, enlightening. Definitely has opened my eyes. Um, I I'm, know. Thank you I so much, it. Ron. I am so glad I've that had you a were smile here with since us. we started. This has been so so nice, so well, inspirational. But, so you definitely yes. want to spread that because you're infectious. So yes, well, thank, thank you. you. I, I appreciate y'all having me on, and uh, I've enjoyed no, talking no. with y'all. It's uh, I mean, Thank I feel you. like we're sitting in the living room just having right? a chat here. Yes, exactly. exactly. That's exactly. what we want. So as as you, you had so many words of wisdom, and I know Joseph is excited to um, get these last ones. Do you want to? Uh, yeah, I'm waiting to see. Y'all. Yeah, I was just about to ask. Um, okay, he's go ahead been and dropping ask. all these good gems throughout these this interview, and I've, I've actually wrote a couple of them down. I'm going to take them hard <laughs> myself. But just for our listeners, go ahead, drop another good gem for us, and you know, before I go out. Well, when I when I was volunteering 
doing assistive technology training, you know, teaching these kids to believe in themselves. Don't say that I'm blind. I can't do this. I, I'd tell them two words, dream big. Mm. Mm. And, mm-hmm. and whoever, you know, whoever we are, dream big because, you know, the, the world's out there waiting on us. You know, go go forth and yes, take indeed. it. It's yours for the taking. Right. Car- Car- yes, Car- yeah, don't mm-hmm. limit to yourself. Dream it. Yes. That's it. Yes. I love it. I love it. So, Thank it. you so much for that. Right. That is this there. And Ron, we would like to just thank you again. Yes, um, man. Anybody... Thank you for the time. Yes. And um, we'll get your contact info. I'm sure if anybody has any questions for Ron, you can't reach him on, you can reach him at haventx.org. I know his contact info is there. Feel free to drop um, us an email. It's at the info at bviempower.com. We will get it to him. Um, but He's open. He's actually a dear friend. So I know that he is more than willing to answer questions and be there for anybody who needs him. Sorry, Ron, not trying to just throw you out there like that, but I actually know that that's how you are. So, (laughs) well, when I, when I became blind, I found, I felt like I was having to reinvent the wheel and I've made myself a promise that I'm going to be here for people to help yes. them so their journey is not as bad and anything I can do, I'm always here. So you're absolutely right. You do Thank you well. so much. Right, beautiful yes. man with a beautiful thank heart. You. That's awesome. That's, that's oh, what thank we need. you so much, Ron. And yeah, thank until y'all. next time. Thank you. All right. Okay. Bye-bye, Ron. Bye. Thank you for your support. We hope you enjoyed the show. BVI Empowered is hosted by Saida Victoria and Jay Fleeks. And produced by our main man, Stephen C. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media. Until next time, y'all. Be blessed, y'all.